Good Friday morning, folks, and welcome to a Black Sheep Friday roundtable discussion. And as promised, we are switching things up on Fridays. And so not only are we switching up what and how we're doing things, but we're also switching up the intro. And this week, I happen to have picked the short straw, and I am the one doing the intro. So again, welcome. And welcome to uh, Sherry and Rebecca. And uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for, you know, the, the process we've gone through to, to, to make this happen. And uh, thanks for joining. So how are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day here. Today it's a bit chilly, but uh, it's nice to be, have a chance to sit down and chat. Well, your northern Ontario blood is tougher than mine. And Re- Rebecca? I'm good. I've been outside, shoveled some snow. Did, did you survive the outside because you're perpetually cold? I did. Well, I was trying to move fast to get things done. <laughs> and there wasn't too much snow there, so it wasn't like I was really having to... Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, anyhow, so folks, um, again, what we've done is we have been going through, we find articles, and now we're going to actually discuss them versus this being sort of a narrative uh, discussion about, about what's going on. And so... The article that uh, we're going to kind of bat around a little bit today uh, was written by a lady by the name of Pearl Nash. Ten classic signs of fake friends according to psychology. And so what is it that makes this about psychology? Fake friends. That's, that's the first question I got for the two. What do you think a fake friend is? Because... If you can feel the person, if you can touch the person, if you can interact with the person, if you can somehow tangibly make any type of connection that's real, and somebody just touched my leg, folks. So if you can do that, does it make it real or fake? So what, first of all, in your opinions, is a fake friend? Do you want me to go first? Sure. Well, I think that a fake friend is one who isn't really in it to share and be a part of your life. They're in it for their own reasons that aren't mutually beneficial. And oftentimes, in my experience, it leads to manipulation. Okay, so a couple key points that you brought up was in it for themselves and not mutual. Kind of the same thing, but a little bit different. So, okay, so can you hold on to those two? So, not mutual. Okay. Rebecca, what's what's your thought? What is a fake friend versus, quote-unquote, a real friend? Somebody who doesn't have your best interest at heart. Sounds like there's a theme here. Doesn't have your best interest at heart. Yesterday, I was talking to somebody, and they said that their parents love them unconditionally. And I said, Really? Take a gun, walk in, shoot your dad in the face with it, kill him, see what your mom says. Oh, my dear God, I love you unconditionally. Those are not going to be the words. I guarantee you. So, again, so when you guys say somebody who is in it, is there, first of all, such a thing as unconditional friendship or unconditional love? Does that actually exist? So the whole idea of fake friend, real friend. So what do you guys think about that? Real friend, fake friend. Does it actually exist that there's such a thing as an unconditional friend or an unconditional relationship? Personally, I think there's all every relationship requires work. And 
when you say unconditional, to me that implies that you can do anything and the relationship will still stand. And no, I don't think that that actually exists. That's okay. a good point. Okay, so if it doesn't exist, then if we go through this, right, they show little understanding. So these are the subject headlines of this article, folks. They show little understanding of what's going on in your life. Your friendships largely revolve around them. What do you guys think about that? They're flaky. They're inconsistent. How many... Sorry for interrupting. But how many parents fit that? Right? They say one thing today, a different rule applies tomorrow. They appear to be flaky and inconsistent to to their children. The decisions largely revolve around them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hear this from adult children all the time where their parents are still trying to employ this this idea that the relationship revolves singularly around the parent. Okay, so when, when you hear those words, right, and this whole idea of real and fake. I think with that parent-child relationship piece, is evolving. Does that explain some of how families start to fall apart? Because the relationships are not balanced. They're focused on one person. Is there a balanced relationship? I think you can have a balanced relationship. How? So so I'm just going to ask you, okay, so either of you, like, in, in a very, very short, succinct way, explain or tell me, like, in a, in a very short way, what does a balanced relationship look like? Because I'm going to ask you, what's the likelihood of both people making the exact same amount of money? What is the likelihood that the hobbies and the, the spending that people want to do on themselves is exactly equal? What is the likelihood of both people eating the exact same quantity amount of food? What is the likelihood of both people burning the exact amount of fuel? What is the likelihood of of any of these things actually truly being, quote-unquote, balanced? Because you're thinking about teeter-totter, right? So spending, love, compassion, energy level, all these things. They're on a teeter-totter. It's in balance. That teeter-totter can be balanced with different items on each side. So the usage of fuel, for example, one partner may travel further than the other. The other partner may be at home and eat more food. But there's a balance between the two. But is there? Could be. Could be. I think as humans, we all have a selfishness in us. It's mm-hmm. self-preservation. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I don't think that we can actually completely put somebody else. I think we're always going to be a little bit selfish in our relationships. So they're always going to be a little bit of unbalancedness. But it's about finding that that level that works for you. What do you two think of this idea that if you take... Right? As it says here, um, they're flaky and inconsistent. Okay, so if you take the idea of flaky and inconsistent, 
Okay, so one person is complaining about the amount of money that's being spent. And the other person says, well, can you work from home? Or can you do this? Or can you, right? Any, any number of questions. Does that create a flaky thing? Because if you both agreed to buy a pickup truck as a second vehicle, the person's driving the pickup truck because it's bur- and it's burning more fuel, or it's burning less fuel, who knows? But the fact is, if you have a conversation and then a year later the price of gas has gone up a lot, now the person appears to be flaky because you agreed a year ago to something or two years ago to something. And so how do you get rid of flaky and inconsistent if you want a real relationship? You have to have honest and real conversation about it then. Mm-hmm. And what do you guys think about the fact that that conversation has to be ongoing? It has to evolve. Just like you said, with the fuel prices changing, your mutual conversation about the usage of gas is likely going to change if you're having a real con- a real relationship. Conversations are tough for a lot of people, especially ones that have to keep occurring. Not because they, they're repeating the same thing, but because situations evolve. And we evolve as humans. And... We may try something and it doesn't work out for us. So that we need to discuss it and discuss why it didn't work out. You just said relationships are, are kind of tough. All of us have been in previous relationships. All of us have had other employers. All of us have had different different engagements with social groups. That And this sitting here right now is no different. This is a social group. And so what we're doing is we're trying to put out honest and open conversations. And part of that... so. Item number four in this, you know, are they real or are they fake, is can you trust them? So can you actually trust that the conversation is real and is not just lip service? There's a lot of lip service out there. Absolutely. And you're, it's the actions that follow the conversation that really give you that ability to trust. And it's going to be the previous conversations at least for me, that will dictate the level of trust I have with the current conversation. I think that people are so easily offended these days and people are afraid to offend people. But in order to have these conversations, sometimes you have to not not really offend, but have differing perspectives and different opinions that so need to be respected. You're getting to the concept of allowing each other to disagree. Yes. And still be friends. Yes. Okay, so here's an interesting. You find out that they badmouth you. They talk trash about you. And sometimes they will talk trash about you in front of you. Is that a real friend? Because... Again, my question is, what is it that they have badmouthed you? What defines being badmouthed? Because I can, I can tell you, there's lots of people that I run into every single week who want to badmouth me and want to run me into the ground, want to do whatever, and they go, oh, you're an asshole. And I go, yep, you're right. What's your point? And the reason why I say that is because that person does not have the weight, so their their voice, when they say something to me, when they say something about me, 
doesn't carry weight. Why doesn't it carry weight? He's trying to... Because they have demonstrated the fact that I can't trust them. And I can't trust them with anything, let alone the title of friend. Or their opinion of what? Of you. Or of anything. And when I say of anything, mm-hmm. and this is number six on the, on the list, the connection feels shallow. Well, if it's, if it's not a healthy nurturing, and it's not to say you can't talk trash about each other, because you can. And so one of the things that, and I throw this out to you, to you guys, I want to hear your take on this. The other day, talking to somebody about liking things and it being sexually provocative. And so why does their partner, who has, who has had an affair, and I see this again all the time, or people who have had quite the colorful past, and they say, well, their partner just needs to get over it. But do they? Is that actually a fair statement? Or is that about the, the connection feeling shallow? And the connection feeling shallow because there's no substance in respect Therefore, there's no trust. I think the statement, oh, just get over it, is not a fair statement. Because I don't think you ever, getting over it, I'm not sure what that exactly means. I think your relationship is forever changed. Um, Can you go past it, whatever the event was, and learn from it on how... Your, your relationship can be strengthened. That's a different thing. But if you try and put it behind you, I think it just festers in the background. If you pretend it never happened, mm-hmm. I think it festers. And then it blows into, up into something far worse and many underpinnings of distrust. Yeah, if they're not addressed, they definitely have a tendency to fester. They need mm-hmm. to be addressed and kind of worked out why something happened. But how do you know that that conversation is actually one that you can bank on? And I think that that's, you know, one of the more interesting things is, and and Sherry said it, you know, what about their actions? Mm -hmm. And and I say it to people all the time, right? You know, take a look at at the words somebody says and, and put weight in it, put merit in it, right? So somebody says they don't like you or they don't like this version of you or... Or some other, you know, put down, listen to it, but then sit there and watch their actions. Are there, are, is there congruency? And, and all congruency means is, is that they, they reflect each other. So it's a mirror image. And so that mirror image does what? Right? So if they're jealous, this is number seven on, on this list. You know, are they jealous of your successes? And when they're jealous of your successes, you know, are there put-downs that come with that? Are there put-downs that come with any number of things? And so it's, it's again, it's the, the genuine conversation and the genuine action. You know, somebody says to me, hey, Rick, I'm your best friend. And I look at them and I go, did you ask me? Right? But in their opinion, because of whatever notion they've, they've drummed up, here's the reality. How does that reflect in the 
I'm so, the statement, I'm jealous of you because you're so good at X, Y, and Z. That, does it change it when you voice it back to the person? What do you mean? What do you mean does it change it? Does it change the negativity associated with being jealous with somebody? Like, Rebecca is um, very good at managing the podcast. I'm so jealous of how she can manipulate the soundboard. If I sit here and hold that in my head and just think about it without saying, Rebecca, I'm, I'm jealous of you. Um, I, I admire how you're doing it, but I wish I could be as good as you. Okay, so that is that actually jealousy or is that simply looking and understanding and accepting a reality? And I think that this is one of these things that, that, that people don't spend enough time actually stopping and thinking about, is what is important to them in a friend? What is important to them in support? What, what is it that clearly demonstrates to them what is something? What is it? To me, it, in part, is each having things that you're good at and each recipro you reciprocate in liking so is that equality or equity equity because it doesn't have to be exactly the same okay similar and, to the teeter-totter okay and so rebecca what's what's your thoughts we can all learn from each other if we put a jealousy aside and realize that some some people does better at some things than others but we can all learn from that and do we all need to be as good? No. Why? Because we're all unique individuals and we all have different strengths and we all value different things. We put time into different things. Let's face it, things need to be practiced to get good at. And so if I want to be good at something but I'm not putting the time and effort into it, then how am I going to be as good as somebody else? I don't need to be as good as somebody else. I just need to be as comfortable and as confident as I, need, as I want to be. In that area. And understanding that we're all a work in progress and there's always an evolution. Yeah. And so this, this brings us kind of around to, towards the end of, of this article, which is about boundaries. And, and feeling uneasy around them. And again, you would be surprised, folks, how many times I get couples in here and independently they will tell me they feel uneasy. They do not feel trust. They, they do not feel that their boundaries are respected. They just truly do not believe that their boundaries are respected. What they believe is that they are not respected at all. That it is truly just the wild, wild west. Anything can happen. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows why it's going to happen? But that notion is there. That absolute notion of a lack of trust and uneasiness... So then they'd be forever walking on eggshells. Absolutely. And so if y'all feel that, then isn't that a pretty easy way of trusting your gut and trusting that, that inner? Because you've, you've taken the time to look around and go, can I trust what's going on? And if you look at the, the evidence, the physical evidence of what they're doing, and if you look at 
what they're saying and if there's congruency between those two things. And so we're going to be wrapping up here in, in, in a couple of minutes, but I, I'm going to take this back to uh, you know, something that I said to a couple of uh, few weeks ago. And we were talking about a simple measure of, of does the person actually care about you? And I said, for me, one of the simple things is hugs and cookies. And, yeah, I was told, well, that's preposterous. That's ridiculous. And I said, okay, but, but in asking for cookies, it, it takes like 15 minutes. If you take half an hour every two weeks to make some cookies, and it means you have to be aware, are there cookies around or not? So you have to be aware. That means you have to care enough to look. You have to care enough to take half an hour out of your out of your, your week every two, every two weeks or 15 minutes a week, right, to, to, to whip that up. And if you can't do those two simple things, isn't that enough evidence? Because the person is not respecting that that is an important commodity to you, right, which is the boundary. And so when we look at real friends and fake friends, we look at what you guys have said, and if you think about it, shouldn't we all have some really simple measures of what that actually looks like? So that we can clearly and easily understand. So when, we, when we're looking at the podcast today, so folks, again, the way, the way that this is structured, and I wish you all could see the looks on their faces, right? Because they are sitting here, they've, they've had the article, we've talked about it. But none of this is scripted. None of this is this is just real me asking questions and them going, well, here I have a question. And and this is, again, this is the natural, real. And so what I'm trying to do in this podcast, to be quite honest with you, is I'm trying to actually represent something that in the back of my mind was, and it's from the PAR program, a Partner Assault Response. And it's a program that I used to co-facilitate here um, in Ontario, and it's run by the Ministry of the Attorney General. And one of the things that that program is intended to do is to have two facilitators so that the two facilitators can mirror discussion, mirror healthy, respectful discussion, so that the, the participants, who are all sent there by court, um, court-ordered in some way, shape, or another. And so this is, again, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, here's some, some tough conversations. We can have these because, again, they have no idea what I'm going to say. They have no idea what questions I'm going to ask. We have the same starting point, which is what you guys have every single day in your life. You have a starting point where, where both of you know. You, you both know whatever, whether it be a friend, whether it be a colleague, whether it be somebody you work with. It doesn't matter. You both have a common starting point. Where it goes from there is about respect. Are the two of you thinking, got questions, throw it out there. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm just thinking about it is recognizing what's important to each other and making that important to you. So you talked a little bit about having, what are those qualifiers that you look for, those, those tangibles that you look for in a friend. Is it being responsive to emails, touching base, is it taking the time and re time to listen to you 
but also respecting your time. And that's two-handed, I know, but it's a give and take. It is a give and take. And I think that as somebody's not meeting your basic cookies and hugs, you need to look at why. Why do I have to look at why? No, but the, the person who's not meeting them needs to look at why. Why are they not meeting them? Is it because they really don't care? Or is there a reason that they have okay, to... Okay, but then you have to first of all have... The, sorry for interrupting, but you, but you have to first of all have the conversations to say this basic need isn't being met. That's true. You have to be honest with yourself and each other about why it's not being met. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those things that is a challenge is expressing to others what it is that you need. How well do we do that? I know Rick's very good at it, but I I don't know that I'm the greatest at it. I'm not. Okay, here's one of the funny things, though. Because even though I may be good at expressing my need, there's an awful lot of people who will go, no. Because we, don't ca- because we don't care. Or we think your needs are too excessive. Or we think, we think, we think. Which every single time you hear that, folks, they are pushing your boundaries. That is true. And so you've seen the action. They're not doing something. And then they tell you that you are expecting too much. Those are two clear things where you can sit there and go, that is not a friend I need to go out of my way for. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think of this first Friday roundtable? And again, folks, um, you know, thank you for bearing with this and getting through this podcast with us. And like I said, this is uno number one of us trying to do something to, again, elicit conversation within yourself and elicit conversation with uh the people in your world what do do the two of you think i think it's opened my eyes a little bit to hopefully having healthy discussions because they can happen i can be part of them i just have to surround myself with people that actually respect me not not to laugh at me or judge me you need to feel comfortable in a situation to have tough discussions and bring up the tough topics I always laugh when people say they're tough. (laughs) (laughs) It's a matter of opinion, I think. I I like this, and I'm going to take this a slightly different direction. I like this format that we're doing Mm -hmm. because I like the back and forth and I like the opportunity to think on my feet and respond in the moment Mm -hmm. because this conversation today has got me thinking. Well, folks, eventually they will get honest on air, I'm sure, and they will look at me and they will go, Rick, just shut up. Or they will say, seriously, you know, come on, just, just, I don't know. But um, all kidding aside, folks, hopefully this has given you all something to think about. Something about this idea of being a real friend or a fake friend. And I don't want to actually use those words real or fake because if you can touch the person, they are real. But it is, does the friendship actually enhance you, enhance your world? Does it actually add to you? And it's not because they are sitting there handing you money. It is not because they simply are are doing so many wonderful things for you. It's about the respect and the reciprocity for creating equity. And so, 
with that. Again, folks, thanks. It's Rick Sherwood here, and thank you again for tuning into Black Sheep Rebranded and uh, continuing to add to our numbers and, and making us uh, delve a little bit deeper into ourselves and into what we can do to bring to the air for you to have a better life and, and a better go-around with the people in your world. So again, thank you very much and have yourselves an absolutely fabulous, fabulous weekend. And if you happen to be in Southern Ontario and you want to do something cool, the Toronto Boat Show opens. And so for the next eight or nine days, all things that are boating, all things that are water will be in Toronto at the Toronto International Boat Show. And I can guarantee you, I will be making my appearance there once or twice because God only knows I love the water. Everybody be good. Take care, y'all.